Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, church. Man, you guys sound better than I do. Um, yeah, I, I shared with some of you uh, this morning already. I, I did not get much sleep, so yeah, big bags under my eyes, you know, but we're, we're going to get through this. Uh, very excited uh, this morning. So just real quick also, um, as you're sitting there, um, I know you already have John 6 or 7 opened, but today turn to Isaiah 58, Isaiah chapter 58. So <laughs> we're going to do a standalone um, sermon this morning, um, one that, that I feel very strongly about, um, that I've prayed about, and I feel like God really wanted us to look at this topic, um, this spiritual discipline this morning. Uh, we talked about it as elders, and it's something we definitely uh, agreed is important, um, but also, I think, very difficult. And so, um, if you've listened to me preach, um, you know, like, I'm always talking about eating, right? Like, everything is some, something I, I could tie it into eating, and yet today, um, it's very counter, counterintuitive for me as we talk about the discipline of fasting. So, um, so let me get started, though. Let's, let's ask ourselves some questions about this. Um, just some general questions. For instance, do you think that God notices you? Do you think God notices you? Is your relationship with God what it should be? Is it what you want it to be? Right? And so maybe, uh, and, and you're faithful, and you read your Bible in a year, and you tithe and offer, and you sing worship songs, and you come to church, you do all, all the right spiritual disciplines, right? You do all them, but maybe sometimes you're still asking yourself, like, I, I think I, I should feel differently than I do now. I think I should feel more of the Lord's presence. I feel like the, the, the Lord is calling me to do something more to get, to get closer to Him. And maybe um, this morning you feel like you're just in a line that's not moving, right? You've been in a line that's not moving before? And if you have, you've probably been to Disneyland, right? So we, we've been to Disneyland before, and so we've entered this magic kingdom, the happiest place on earth, with the goal of ascending, right? Ascending, you know, Space Mountain and Splash Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain, right? We want, we want to climb the mountain to, to attain joy. And yet before we know it, there we are stuck in a line, right? And we don't even know if it's the right line. Let's be honest, half the time we don't even know what we're in line for, um, and, and so you're sitting there and you got your Mickey ears on, you know, and you start feeling silly after a while, right, that you put them on, but you're committed, that's okay. And, and you've eaten your ice cream sandwiches and you've eaten your churros and it's extremely hot and you are not moving anywhere. And then something else happens that, that's even more annoying. You see people walk by you. People walk by you and get on the ride that you are waiting in line to get on. You haven't moved and you see those same people come and pass you by laughing, giggling, having got on the ride that you wanted to get on. So they have something that you don't, right? Does anybody know what they have that you don't? Fast, fast. I knew you guys would get it. 
So they have a fast pass, and because of that, they get to go up into their joy uninterrupted, right? They just go right to their joy. With that in mind this morning, again, if you don't feel like God is noticing you, if you want to get to know the Lord more, you want to take a next step in your relationship, in your spiritual disciplines, you want God to meet that hunger in your life, then, then what you need this morning is a fast pass. And so our sermon this morning is called Fast Pass to God. Fast Pass to God. Our text will be Isaiah, uh, most of Isaiah chapter 58. And let me pray for us before we get started. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we uh, love you and um, we thank you that you've given us disciplines that reveal who you are to us. Uh, that we get to know more about Christ and that the Holy Spirit in us um, gives us knowledge, Lord, about you, and it's the best knowledge. Your presence is more precious than anything, Lord, that we could possibly know. And we know that you've given us this discipline, Lord, to even take it a step further to commit to that and intimacy with you. And so I ask, Lord, even as it's counterintuitive of me to not, to not eat, Lord, that you would give us a heart, Lord, to see that you've called us to do this and to seek you out through this, Lord. So bless our service, Lord. May you be honored by it, Lord. Amen. So let's start by looking at Isaiah chapter 58, verse 1. Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. And so we start here, I mean, Isaiah has a message that he has to give to the house of Jacob, which is another word for Israel, right? And he's supposed to do it in a very scolding manner, right? Like God is like, don't, don't say this lightly. Be very intentful. Let them know that I am very upset at them. And so what did Israel do? What did they, or what did they do this time, right? What, what idea are they following, you know, that, that's just problematic, and we see this in verse 2. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments and they delight to draw near to God. What? How does that make sense? Their sin is that, that they want to draw near to God? that they are delighting to know his ways and they're asking for his righteous judgment? Like, what, what is going on here? I imagine this morning, like a lot of us, that Israel must be asking ourselves, like, what? Like, how was that? All the things you mentioned sound good. How are you saying they're sin? Why are you angry, Lord? And so because of this, you know, I, I think in their confusion and their frustration because they haven't been eating, you know, and maybe self-righteousness, the people of Israel, they answer, Right, God in verse 3. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? And so the issue here, this rebuke from the Lord to them, is about fasting. Right? It's an issue of fasting. And so with that in mind, I think it's important to take a few minutes, really uh, talk about understanding what fasting is. After all, if this was the only mention of it in the Bible, you would say fasting is bad, right? Don't fast. It upsets God, you know, because that's what we see in this text. But um, I think most of us know that's not the case, right? There, there's something 
Something's not right here. So what, what are we talking about with fasting? And so fasting is a very popular, buzzy word because of intermittent fasting, right? And so, um, which I've heard has done, has done a lot of good for people. <clears throat> and, and you're just refraining from eating for a certain amount of time, right? A lot of, a lot of time that, that you're not eating. And technically that is a fast. Not eating is a fast. And so what's the difference between an intermittent fast and a biblical fast? Well, one is aiming for a physical benefit, right? I mean, intermittent fasting, physical. You're thinking physical. Biblical fast, you're thinking spiritual, spiritual. But, and I would also say this, if you're doing a biblical fast, you also get the physical benefit out of that, right? So, so it's really good. See, we were, God was ahead of this whole thing, right? Um, and so, <clears throat> yeah, there's a, there's a physical benefit as well, but that's not the aim of it. So you get the physical benefit, but the aim is God. Like when you do biblical fast, you're aiming for God. You are expecting results. And so if a fast is simply not eating, then we would say a biblical fast is intentionally, deliberately not eating so that we can focus on God. You know, not only not eating, but anything that blocks our view of God and our relationship with God, as we'll talk about later, when you don't do that, you're fasting from it so that you could focus more on God and draw near to God. And with expectation, as we will see here, like when we fast, we should never just do it and, and, and sort of grumble and feel like we're, like we're trying to do something, not knowing if we're successful. We should go into this expecting results. We should expect God to draw near to us. I believe that is what the Bible tells us about this. That's why God asks us to do it, because he's going to meet us. He's not telling us just, just to get like hangry and grumpy, right? He's like, do this, and there's a result from this. And so if you want that fast pass to God and you want to have more of God, be noticed by God and have the favor of God, then you have to understand a fast pass is a fast that passes. A fast pass is a fast that passes on food. And what I mean by that is like we're passing on food, right? It's like, no thank you, I'm going to pass on eating today. And we find the most basic fast like that in Esther chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women also will be fasting as you do. And so that is a very basic fast, like no food and no liquids, like not, not even water. Very basic fast. But, um, and just to show you that there's flexibility within fast, this is not the only way to fast. We also see in Daniel 1, chapter 1, verse 12, where it says, Test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. And so the whole point of this, it's not like overly technical. Don't overthink the technical part of it. It's just requiring that, that you're not eating something for a certain amount of time or not doing something, and you're doing a very, very spiritual purpose, a spiritual discipline. And so we fast so we could show our focus and dependency on God. In fact, it's a common practice that when you feel, feel hungry, like that is the point of it, right? So you're fasting and you have not eaten something and you start to feel hungry. And you feel like that hunger, right? That cramping in your stomach. And so when that happens, it's like a reminder, first off, yes, that you are absolutely hungry, but also that you're hungry for God. And so every time you feel that hunger, you're supposed to come to God, right? And so 
You know, you pray in that moment. Oh, that's right. I know I am hungry. I chose to do this. I chose to do it for you, God. Like, I, I'm hungry for you. I'm hungry for the bread of life. I, I need more of that. Um, it also means that we have a prayer usually as well with our fast. You know, we're also hungry for the presence of God. So, very, again, we have a purpose in this. And this is the type of fasting that Israel is doing here in verse 2. Now, John Piper, uh, one of my favorite pastors, he says this about fasting. Fasting is not a no to the goodness of food or the generosity of God in providing it. Rather, it is a way from saying from time to time that having more of the giver surpasses having the gift. Having more of the giver surpasses having the gift. I absolutely love that. And it highlights this fact here that a fast pass to God passes on food to attain that affectionate attention of God, right? And I think it's important that we want affectionate attention of God. So when we fast, we have to keep that in mind because we've already seen God is paying attention, but it's not going well. So here's the deal. As we saw in Esther, the Esther verses, fasting has a purpose. It has an aim. It expects results. It expects that attention from God. And that's why Israel is upset, because they should be having the affectionate attention of their God. So what we find is they're saying, why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? And so their expectation that God would notice favorably is not met. And maybe it seems a little presumptuous to say, hey, just because we skip a meal that God is going to notice. Like, why does God even care? But there's something about that, right? It's not a baseless assumption that God wants us to, to set ourselves apart and be contrite and humble. And we see this in the previous chapter in verse 15, where it says, for thus says the one who is on high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. And so there's two places God dwells, right? This is the whole setup to this, this conversation. And God is like, yes, I am God. I, I dwell in a holy, awesome place, right? Because I'm God. That's where I, that's where I hang out. But also, as holy as I am, I will hang out with you guys. I will dwell with you guys if you humble yourselves. Right? If you just deny everything else and seek me out in humility, I, I will meet you. And so God explains his reaction to a true fast we find in our text here in verses 8 and 9. Again, this is why we fast. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer, and you, and, and you shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. Church, the Lord notices. Right? The Lord notices a fast. And the Lord, our God, says, Here I am. So what does that mean? Well, one thing we should do is ask ourselves a question. Are we even calling out to the Lord? Right? Because it says here, God is like ready. I am ready if you do this to say here I am, if you seek me out. So are we even calling and crying out to the Lord? 
And again, we know in this text that, that he's talking about fasting. So when we're fasting, we're calling out and crying out for the attention of the Lord, which he has already said here, he will meet you and say, here I am. Let's continue in verse, verses 10 through 12. Then shall your light rise in the darkness, and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places. And make your bones strong, and you shall be like a watered garden, like a, a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt, and you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. How awesome does that sound? Like, who wants that title? Like, we're talking generational blessing. Just incredible blessings, right, to our families for generations all through fasting. And God is saying here, He wants to be your desire because He's going to meet that desire. Hunger for Him and He will meet that hunger. And so we see here clearly that God is saying, expect to find me. Expect to see me. I am waiting for you to do this. And so if you want that affectionate attention that builds you up and makes you healthy and it makes you spiritually healthy and will bless you and your family for generations, you have to consider fasting. And if nothing else so far, I hope that we realize Bottom line is that fasting is good, right? Let's just say that. Fasting is good. Fasting, God-ordained, God-approved, thumbs up. Fasting is what God wants. But with this in mind, with all that in mind now, now the whole setup, like we know fasting is good, why is God upset then? Why is God so upset? This whole thing God talking about, fasting good, I want you to fast. And so we find this here in verses 3 and 4 as the Lord responds to Israel. Behold, in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. And so it's so interesting here that all this issue is about fasting and none of the actual issues that God has with the fasting has to do with food, right? No mention of food or drink here. It's not a stomach issue. It's not like what kind of food were they fasting, but an issue of their heart, right, and of their hands that accompany their fast. And here's the deal. If you're going to do something like fasting that's going to bring God's attention close to you, make sure you're living in a way that you want God's attention, Right? Don't say, God, look at me, and then, you know, have a train wreck, you know, going on in your life. Live in such a way that you want that attention of God, because you're going to get it. And so because of that, really the first two things we have to learn from Israel here, I mean, one, you could say, uh, learn to fast, but the next two things are how not to fast. How not to fast. And so two ways how not to fast. First off, don't focus on yourself. Don't focus on yourself. It says here in verse 3, they sought their own pleasure. 
And so they were not concerned about God. They don't want to get close to God. They don't want that intimacy. They don't want that blessing. Nothing about their fast is actually about God in their hearts. They did it to appear spiritual. Right? They did it for everybody but God to see. And they're arguing and fighting over it. Like, who's doing a more intense fast? You know, if you're doing intermittent fasting and you're doing 20 hours, well, I'm doing 21 hours. Right? It has nothing to do with God. So they're not actually fasting, but when you fast, God pays attention. So he's like, what are you guys doing? Oh, goodness. And Jesus reiterates this same thing later on in Matthew 6, 16, as we heard already this morning. <clears throat> and when you fast, do not look grumpy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. And so don't fast for others, right? Don't fast for others to see, right? Do a fast between you and God. Aim for God. God said he wants to be aimed for with your fast. Second, I mean, there's a lot of ways we, we, we could put this um, that aren't so uh, um, nice, but, but don't be a meanie, right? Don't be a meanie face. And so the Lord says, they oppress their workers and they hit them with a wicked fist. Because they weren't fasting with, with the heart that was focused on God. They were using their hands for wickedness. And so what happens, what, will sh what should be happening is they are fasting. And they are having this transcendent spiritual experience, right? I mean, they are just getting close to God. God is saying, here I am. And there's an embrace and they're growing in the Lord. But that's not happening here. What it says is they're fasting. And so they're not eating food. But all that's happening is they're getting hangry and they're being mean to everybody, right? That's all that's happening here. They are horrible to be around. And so they are cosplaying being righteous, but man, their actions are just wicked, right? You don't call attention to yourself if you're being mean to everybody. And so the consequences of doing a fast like this where you call attention to yourself and you're not, you're, your life is very wicked, we see the consequences here in verse 4. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. And, and you could also see in the fact there that if you are fasting correctly, your voice is being heard on high. So God is hearing you again. God approved all the way through. But he's saying here, um, God is saying, you know, you're going to feel like I'm ignoring you. And maybe you're thinking, well, that's not so bad. But how many of you have been given the silent treatment before? Right? And it is just as bad. And even though they're not saying anything, if somebody is not paying attention to you and, and you're, they're letting you know they're not paying attention to you, it's sometimes worse, right, than actually engaging in a fight. And God is saying, yeah, you're going to feel, you're going to feel that I am ignoring you. And it's not that he doesn't see it or that he doesn't care, but he wants you to know he doesn't approve of it. And again, just kind of going back to where we started from. And so let's say you live a life of spiritual discipline. You're doing all the right things. You've checked all the right boxes. That's awesome. But if, if, you're, if your life isn't a cycle of joy and awe and repentance, I mean just continuously being overwhelmed by God's glory and awe and his beauty and feeling that power of the Spirit and that fear and that comfort, all at once, if you're doing all those things and you're not feeling like that, then you have to ask yourself, what does your life look like? 
What does your heart look like? What do your hands say about all that stuff that you do? What are you doing besides all the spiritual stuff? Right? I mean, how many people know somebody who, who, who reads their Bible every day and they're the most miserable person to be around? I know a lot of people like that. It's like, no, I don't want to go to your church and become miserable like you. And so, <clears throat> if we're in this position, we need to look at our marriages and our, our work and, and our, you know, our jobs, our life, our school, our friends, all that stuff, and ask ourselves, are all those things better because of my faith? Not just for me, but people around me. Is the world a better place because of Christ in me? Or do you have a spiritual life that's in a compartment that doesn't touch every other area of your life? Because God's saying that matters here, right? They're doing the right spiritual stuff, but what does God say? It's like everything else doesn't, everything doesn't line up. The story doesn't line up. You're doing the spiritual stuff, but your, your, your hands, your practical theology, your faith benefits nobody. And so religion that matters to God is not a private matter. Right? It is very public in the way that it is, it is expressed. Now, something that I love about our Lord, and you hear, you'll hear, hear me say it, my mouth gets really dry. You'll hear me say it over and over as I love the fact that God always lets you know the relationship status. I love the prophets for this reason. They are always letting Israel know the relationship status. This is bad. I want things to be good. Do this good, do this, it's going to be bad. And so God is always updating the relationship status. Even here, God says, okay, I notice you're fast, and I reject it. Just so you know, I have rejected you. But the Lord doesn't stop there because our Lord is awesome. He doesn't just stop there with rejection. He's like, but, you know, if you want to do a right fast, if you guys actually want to do this right, he explains what a good and true fast is. In verses 6 and 7. Is this not the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Now this, this is the fast the Lord wants. So if we're going to fast, this is what we should take a look at. Again, not the technicality of what we eat and don't eat, right? It's just like complete like life focus. You know, everything is about this fast. And again, we don't see anything about eating here. The Lord wasn't concerned with what food they were passing on, but he's concerned with what food they are passing on. Right? So God says here, we must pass on food. Like, so God's, and basically what's happening is people are passing on food and they're fasting. God pays attention and God says, okay, what I'm paying attention to you is, are you passing on food? And so if you're confused, let, let me explain here. So let's start by, by looking at verse 7 again. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and to not hide yourself? from your own flesh. And so a, a true fast is one that passes on food, not eating it, but it also passes on food to those whose not eating is not by choice. You guys get that? Uh, 
our, and so when God looks at us, he wants us to ask ourselves, you know, are we really his people? Is the world a better place because of our faith? When he looks into our lives, does our hunger for God relieve the hunger of the hungry person? Right? In Bakersfield, on our streets, in our family. Do we hunger God so much that we meet that hunger of the people around us? Does our love for God benefit those who are around us? Right? And Israel's called out on this nonstop, right? What do you do with the foreigners and the widows and those who are hungry and slaves? Like, how do you treat those people? You know, every time God comes into a judgment with Israel, he talks about that stuff. Not only do they reject him as being their God, usually right in that same sentence, it's like, look how you treated people. It's not even how you just treated me, but look how you treated people, because that reflects what you think about me. And so are we nice? Are we cool people? Or are we mean? Right? Are we meanies to everybody? And God cares about this. These things matter to God. And I think we forget just how much that God cares about physical stuff. And God does care. I mean, we as a church, like, you know, we, we love souls. We want to make, like, much of Jesus in Bakersfield. Have everything be about Jesus. You know, sharing the gospel is what we do. And yet, like so many passages in the Bible, it says here that if you, God says, if you want to express your love for God, then express God's love to people in need. Right? God doesn't say just to take care of people in the church. He's like, take care of people. If you see a need, you're supposed to fill it. And so if you want to worship God and you want to be obedient to God, yes, passing on food is good, but passing out food is equally good. That will equally get the attention of God. God wants both. Passing on food and passing on or passing out food. And just in these two verses, look at all these things God talks about. Loosing bonds, setting free, feeding, clothing, and giving shelter. And so a, a good true fast is one that is just rich in mercy. It's not just about you and what you're not eating. It's about all those other people who aren't eating, right? And it's, and it's not by choice. And um, some of my favorite quotes um, by Andrew Davis, which convict me every time I read them, and, and it's about th this topic. He says, If our Christianity, however sincere, doesn't move us to make our world a better place, it's not only unhelpful to others, it is unacceptable to the Lord. Christianity must be deeply internal and personal, but if it stops there, it's just a spare time hobby. Ouch. Right? So convicting. So let's update. Let's update our, our definition of a fast pass here. So a fast pass to God is a fast that passes on food, right, to focus on God, but, but passes on food to attain the affectionate attention of God, right? We want good attention, not just attention. We want the good attention. So we're going to do a fast the right way. But let's quickly fast forward now to the present. <clears throat> Does this chapter of God speaking to Israel through Isaiah apply to us? Does this still apply to us? I mean, that's a great hermeneutical question, right? 
How does this work? After all, uh, we are in Christ. We've been brought close to God, right? Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We have intimacy with God. That veal was ripped in half. You know, our sin, our iniquity, our guilt has been removed. We can go right to God now, right? So we have a relationship in our point in history so much more intimate with the Lord than Israel had. So with that in mind, should we still fast today? Does, does it still accomplish the same thing? Does it still get us any closer? Because we're already super closer through Christ. And so as Christians, well, we go to Christ for that answer. So I want to look into the life of Jesus where we find the expectation and example, our example and expectation of fasting. And the first is that Jesus gives us the example of fasting in all the Gospels, but John, it talks about how Jesus, before his ministry, goes into the desert and fasts for 40 days, right? So if Jesus is fasting and he's been in the closest possible intimacy with God because he is God and he is fasting, then we have to take note of that, that, that you know, he's presenting that to us, that, that we need to do that. And secondly, as we look at that, as a church, we need to ask ourselves, or at least see the fact that Jesus is starting the ultimate ministry. Like Jesus' ministry, awesome, perfect, best ministry ever, which we're just continuing today. And to set up for that, he fasts. And so we'll come back to this at the end of service, but I think as a church, as we're entering a new season, you know, as we live in a place that is as hot as a desert, right? Um, that we should consider, like, as we enter this new season and this new ministry for the church, fasting. Like, let God know we're super serious. Right? We are serious about this ministry that, that we're doing and about to do. And secondly, Jesus gives the expectation of fasting. Again, in Matthew six sixteen, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that they're fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their award. So two things about this. The first is there's no if about it. Jesus says when you fast, right? It's not, hey, if you guys decide to fast, Jesus, right, our king, has said when you fast, when you fast, do this. And also the other part at the end of the verse there, it says, well, they've received their reward already. You know, by, from men, which, of course, you have to read indirectly. Well, if their reward is from men, and if we do this to God, our reward is from God. And so it's rewarding. Fasting is rewarding. We see this over and over. Jesus says, you're going to get a reward. You could be like them. They're, they're getting their reward. You know, they're, they're getting their praise, you know, from men. You know, which, it's not worth it. I mean, if you're just going to not eat to get praise from men, I'm just like, give me the food, right? You do that and give me your food. That's fine. So <clears throat> knowing that the Lord in Isaiah, you know, 58, he says that he will see this fast, that he will reward this fast incredibly, and the fact that Jesus expects us to fast. I think the last question this morning is what will our fast look like? What will our fast look like? Not if, what will it look like? And so the great news is there's a bunch of different ways to fast, right? There's no technical aspect to doing a fast. And please hear me. I did not tell you to go out into the desert for 40 days, into Death Valley. We do not need to do a Jesus fast. 
just remember there are three really aspects to a good fast, and that's passing on, passing on, and expecting God's attention, to attain God's attention. And so the first is just deciding. What food are you going to pass on? Um, for how long are you going to do it? Um, I've seen this done many ways, where it's a, a day, which, you know, which is a very long day, um, but I've seen people fast meals. I've seen people fast to a certain amount of time, you know, till two o'clock in the afternoon on certain days. And, and the whole point is that it just needs to be substantial enough to be a sacrifice, that it needs to be a, a sacrificial enough that that's, it almost annoys you, right? You should be very conscious of the fact you have not eaten. And so you need to get to that point. For me, it's probably shorter than, than everybody else. But it should be uncomfortable because you want to go to God. Oh, God, I need you. I need you more than I need food. And so just decide, you know, what are you going to pass on for how long? I mean, those, those are the only two things you need to think about. And I would suggest starting small. Like, again, I'm not telling anybody to go on a 40-day juice fast this morning. But just start small and learn how to fast. Let's start learning how to fast. Or maybe if you fasted already, let's like take it up a notch. Like add a couple hours or fast something else as well. That way, you know, soon in the future, we could just do church fasts and we could just, everybody, we're all going to fast. But we need to start here, knowing what a fast is and just starting to move into that discipline. And I agree with, with many uh, modern theologians and pastors today who say, although it's not mentioned anywhere you know, in the Bible, in Isaiah, or in Matthew, is technology. And so, yeah, I mean, they don't have technology. But, but I agree that fasting technology is just as powerful, maybe more in our society, than fasting food. And so I can tell you, some, I mean, I just go down that rabbit hole of screens and just watch a lot of time go by, fasting from screens, whether it's your phone, TV, games, whatever it may be to focus on God is so rewarding. It is so incredible. It, it, really, it will bring attention to the fact, like, you know, what our priorities are in our life and what are the things we run to first instead of God. What are the things that we, when we wake up in the morning, do, do we get on our knees and pray or do we grab our phone? Right? And I know part of the trap is that is you're turning off your alarm, but how many of us just turn off the alarm and how many of us stay on it and also just start scrolling away instead of coming to the Lord? <clears throat> Second, uh, we must pass on food, right? So pass on blessing. And so there are many who are in need. And even in Vanguard Bible Church, in our community, we have people in need. We know people who have needs. And so the first part of that is, you know, if you do give here, if you tithe here, if you offer here, we actually take joy in the fact that we do help people who have needs. And so we have benevolence, you know, in place. And so as you offer, know that you are meeting part of the expectation of a fast, that you are investing in this ministry that we do, like we talked about during our offering, that you're doing a ministry. So when you give those funds over, you know, it, it's not to buy me another cardigan, like it is, it is going to somebody, you know, and so when we find needs, that, that is something that we do with those resources. 
But also, it doesn't even have to be through here. I mean, you guys know people who have needs. You guys know people who, who need clothes, who need food, who need love, right? Who need time, right? The whole, the whole point of this is to be a blessing. It doesn't mean you actually have to give somebody a can of food, but bless somebody, somebody who has some sort of need. Maybe, maybe the need is a conversation, right? Maybe, maybe the need is just to spend time with you. You know, and I think the way we should approach this is by looking, you know, I think a good place to start is with our enemies, um, with, with family who we don't get along with, with friends who we haven't talked to in a while. Like, they have needs, and so it's a great opportunity for us to say, we have been blessed, and so let us bless you. This isn't about anything other than I serve an awesome God, and I want to love you because God loves me. And so just be cool, be awesome to people. And yes, food is a great way to express that. So whatever you do, just pass on food, pass on mercy, pass on blessing, and make the world a better place in the name of Jesus. And lastly, expect to attain God's attention. Right? Israel got God's attention. It just wasn't what they wanted. Right? So we want that affectionate attention, the kind that blesses and refreshes and builds us up. And so we have need to ask ourselves, where is it or what is it in our lives that we want God to do something in? Like, what is it? Like, why are we fasting other than just getting more of God Himself? So I was thinking about this as a church, like, if we're going to start fasting and we're going to move into this spiritual discipline, like, what? Let's be very intentful. Let's aim, like aim specifically in the Bible over and over, stories of people moving God by their fasting and prayer. So I came up with six ways, and, and I, will, I will send these out. So if you feel like you're not going to keep up, you're not, because I'm going to go through them quickly. And so I will send these out later. So fasting and praying for Vanguard. One, that we should know Jesus more intimately. Right? That's why we want to fast to begin with. We want that hunger for that bread of life, you know, for that, light, that, that, that living water. We want that. We want that intimacy with Jesus. We want to see his beauty. Right? We want to walk with the risen Lord. And so we fast to do that. Secondly, that God would save Bakersfield. Right? God save Bakersfield. That this would be a city that trusts and follows in Jesus. That it wouldn't be a city known for the Bakersfield sound, bad air, being, you know, red but that it would be a place where people love Jesus. Not where there's a bunch of churches, but where people love Jesus, where people are cool to each other because Jesus is cool to us, right? Third, that Vanguard Bible Church would be pleasing to the Lord. At the end of the day, we meet today to bring joy to the Lord. That's my prayer. Every time we sing and we preach, that heaven would stink with the smell of Vanguard. That they would, heaven would know, all the angels would know, oh, it smells in here. It must be Vanguard. Their, their incense, their love for the Lord. It's just, you know, it just, they could smell it. And I want us to love the Lord that much and make sure everything we do as, as a church is pleasing to the Lord, you know, not just to us and our, our church experience. Four, that God would bring us into a new space. And so very quickly, I forget how long I've been here, four, five months, 
You know, we've been able to get back on track, right? Meet every week as a church, um, change the order of service a little bit, right? Some normalcy. Start a youth group. Start several community groups. These things are going very well. There's young women who are meeting. There's men who are meeting and hanging out. So we have all these things, right, back on track and established. And so our next big step now is to get this new space, whatever that looks like. And so that is what we're looking for. And so pray, God, give us that perfect space that we could invite people into and, and, and invest into a community somewhere. You know, ideally, I think even close as we can to here. Fifth, that God bring more people to Vanguard Bible Church. So not just that we would grow closer to God, but I, I think one of, for me, one of the most heartbreaking things about this church is how awesome you guys are. Such a family, right? I hear from everybody. We come here for the family. We come here for the family. That's awesome. Huge benefit. Awesome. Except that there are people out here down these streets close to us who don't have any sense and have had, never had any sense of what a family is. And they need to be here. They need to experience this. They need to understand how we do, how we do life together and how we eat together and live together. And six, that God would bring peace to earth through the gospel. You know, I mean, you look at the news, there's a bunch of crazy stuff going on. It's always been like that. Like, like don't, don't be confused. Don't, don't look at the news and think, oh, this is the worst it's ever been. No, it's not. It's always been like this. It's been worse than this. It's been people going in, into places and, and killing the men, taking the women and children. This has happened all throughout history. This is not new. The only thing that's going to bring peace is the gospel. New hearts and new minds are the only thing that is going to bring peace. And so in Isaiah, one of my favorite verses, is, it talks about swords being beat into plowshares. And so that is my prayer. Like weapons just become obsolete. Right? Weapons become obsolete and we live in the peace of the Lord. And I, Isaiah saw that. And we don't know when that took place, but that is peace on earth. Right? And, and, and it's, the people there, they don't live forever. Right? It talks about babies being born. And so this is a time in earth's history where there is so much peace through the gospel that there is not war. And so I want that. And so we have six things here, and, and there's several ways you can do this. You could, you could maybe every week, every day, pray for, through one of these things or do a fast through one of these things. Or maybe you look at this as six weeks. So six weeks is uh, 42 days, so it's almost the same as Jesus' fast. And so however you want to approach this, there's no right way, there's no wrong way. You don't have to get my approval, right? You don't have to ask me if you're doing it right. But take these things, and I would say, even if you're not fasting, pray through this list. Pray through this list because I want God to know that we're serious. Like, oh, there's this group of people, man, they keep bugging me, right? Which, is, which we know from other parables. God says, yeah, you should keep bugging, keep knocking, keep knocking, keep knocking. And so let's take this list and keep knocking and bugging God and saying, we're serious, God, please, this is what we want. This, this is what we want for this church. And so, yeah. You know, if you want to be noticed, if you want to grow spiritually, if you want to see God do something amazing in this church and in Bakersfield, then we need to use that fast pass. And, you know, not the fast pass to get up the ride that lasts two minutes, right? But to get up Mount Zion, where we're going to have joy for absolutely ever. So we need to use this fast pass, church. Let me pray for us. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. 
You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.